1: BJ Howes Meadowland the coast tradies choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track.
2: Yeah, we're live from BJ Howes Metal on this Saturday morning.
3: Reid Marnie is a player who I would be looking to secure ASAP. And if, I, if Parramatta don't, then the likes of, I think, I honestly believe, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, Redcliffe should seriously consider chasing this kid up because he is, I believe he is one of the best uh, dummy halves in the game at the moment. His passing is exceptional, and and he's just behind Harry Grant when it comes to uh, the origin. So I I think he has got a lot of potential. I think you can get him for a, a little bit of a bargain. I don't mean a bargain, but 600 grand is a lot of money, but... I think it's a good price to pay for a very, very solid uh, number nine.
2: We, uh, we heard on the radio the other day that they were offering him $600,000, or well, that was the ballpark figure. And my wife said to me at the time, wow, that's extraordinary money. Mm. And I said, that's a steal if you can get Reed Marnie. And does it look like Canterbury Bankstown are maybe front runners to get his signature? Wow,
3: uh, the Bulldogs, they're chasing hard. And I like the way, I like the fact, you know what, Gus. Is going to make one hell of a difference there, right? Just to have uh, Phil Gould there who will oversee the recruitment side of things. And he's going to do his best. Not only is he going to do his best, but he also will attract players. And that, you can't put a price on that. He managed to do what he's done at Penrith, and it was a five-year plan that took seven years, but the fruits of his labour are there for all to see.
2: Michael, no one knows more than you that Parramatta have lost some brilliant players over the last couple of decades. Look across the league. You know, one comes immediately to mind, one of your great mates, Andrew Ryan, Mm. who goes across to Canterbury, plays for New South Wales, Australia, wins a premiership. Now, Reid Marnie, how in the world can he slip through their fingers?
3: It surely couldn't happen. And I think, you know, when you talk about recruitment, when you talk about managing your salary cap, there's certain positions and certain players that, you know, you've got to be mindful of what value they bring to the side. And I think Reid Marnie is one of those. And you've, if you've got to pay a little bit overs or what you perceive as a little bit overs, I still think it's unders because I think he could be worth 750 on the open market. So at 600 I believe he's a bargain for Parramatta. But, you know, what? time will tell um, as to whether they value him the, the way they should because I think he could see during the final series... What a difference it made to their side, especially at the back end of the game, um, him not being there. And, and he's a it's a tough position to fill.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We're live from BJ House Meadowland. Welcome to the weekend. Mariners in action later on today. They're out at Mudgie in the FFA Cup against Blacktown. We'll talk to Adam Kwasnick a little later in the show. But right now, oh. what, what about this guy? From the Umina Bunnies, he played 338 games... <laughs> For the West Tigers, Premiership winner in 2005, that famous team that included Benji Marshall and the flick pass to Pat Richards. Then in 2016, I was privileged to be the master of ceremonies that night when Cronulla win their first ever Premiership. This man is a part of their side. Let's rise as one. A standing ovation for Chris
4: Hyington this morning. Good morning, Chris. Welcome to the show. Good morning, boys. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Um, Yeah, good start to the day. Talking to you guys.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again, mate. And uh, I just want to know, firstly, what in the world are you thinking you're taking on BJ Leilua in boxing?
4: Yeah, it's, um, it's, a, it's a tough one. Um, obviously, I, I walk down the streets here at Terrigal and everyone says the same thing. What am I doing? But I just want to challenge myself. I feel like um, people can watch and, and I can show them that, you know, go and do something and then challenge yourself. You know, it's probably the biggest challenge of my life. And... Um, hopping into the boxing ring. But I've been doing it for a while now. and really enjoying it, Um, enjoying the fitness side of it. So, um, yeah, I'll be ready for a fight on December 10th. Mate,
3: what, you know, I guess you've been doing, you know, this extra training and and things like that. What was the temptation, mate? What was the attraction? What was the appeal? Because, you know what, it's probably one of the hardest things to do, uh, and I've never done it myself, is to walk into a ring and take – knowing that you're up against an opponent and it's just you and him one-on-one there's no other teammates there's nothing else around you this comes down to a your level of guts your commitment levels your stupidity levels possibly
4: <laughs> who knows but
3: but also your skill level and the, you know the work that you've done and the training that you've done um mate what possessed you to go down this path
4: yeah well i started beautiful i started sparring and really enjoyed it really enjoyed the rush and um The hard work and and the, you know, like the things you mentioned there. Like, it's tough. It's it's probably the world's toughest sport, you know. There's only you and another guy in there. There's going to be a big crowd. That's why I'm doing it. I I want to test myself. Um, You know, I want to show my kids, the people I train at the moment, you know. You can do anything if you put your heart and soul into it, you know. It doesn't matter work or sport. You know, the harder harder you work, the more luck falls your way. And, um, you know, I'm just trying to set an example for everyone. You know, there's a lot of kids out there who get affected by social media, seeing bad comments, or, oh, I shouldn't go do that, because this guy will write a bad message or be negative to me. But if you can block all that out and just focus on doing your best and being the best the best version of yourself, you should do well in whatever you do.
2: Chris, I've followed this, but uh, are you on the undercard to a major fight that night as well? Yeah, so Gow's
4: fighting... Um, the guy from Manly, the big front rower. Um, I'm not sure if I'm the undercard, the one under that, but um, I agreed to the fight. and Now it's just got so much media attention. I, I was I was a bit surprised. I thought I'd go a bit unnoticed and fight early, but it looks like I may be the fight before Gal's fight. Yeah, so um, there'll yeah, be nerves I, running through the body, but it'll be good.
2: Yeah, I, I think you've overshadowed Gal. I, I've seen more coverage of your fight against Joseph BJ Leilua. Uh By the way, Gal will fight Alawai. Who they reckon he can really throw them? In fact, he says he could beat anyone in the NRL. So, looking forward to that matchup as well. Just looking at Joseph BJ Leilua, I think the stats between you two guys are fairly similar. You're both around six one six two. You both weigh in just over a hundred kilos. Is that where you're at at the moment? The only difference, significant oh. difference, is he's ten years younger.
4: Yeah, it doesn't matter. I definitely work harder. I um. You know, I've got a really healthy lifestyle. I haven't been, I haven't drank for over a year. I've, I've been in the gym at 4 a.m. every morning training. So, age is nothing. Yeah, you know, you know, when you get pigeonholed, people pigeonhole you, and they don't realise how much training you've done. Um, but yeah, Leilu, I think he'll be a lot heavier than what people, he's probably sitting at 115 at the moment. So they've told me that he'll probably fight at 110, and I'll come in at about 100 kilos. So,
5: Ooh, um, yeah, a bit
4: of weight difference, but. Uh, um, your power drains out pretty quickly in the boxing ring.
3: Yeah, it certainly does, mate. And look, I'm really interested to see the Gallon versus A. Obviously, he's, you know, Josh has indicated that he can throw him, but what we have seen is poor Gallon is pretty handy with the gloves in his hands. Like, he's taken on some really big opponents and has not taken a backward step at all. Um, so, yeah, and he's a former teammate of yours, Hino, uh, and. Uh, Mate, was there any sort of, at training, any times where you and uh, Gao would go toe-to-toe sparring each other, and how did you shape up?
4: Yeah, yeah, there was a, um, we used to go to a PCYC there when I was in Cronulla, and I first signed in 2013, and all the middle forwards, so all the forwards used to have to go and and spar each other, and I took on Gao a few times. I think he sort of took it on a bit more serious after that year, but Yep. Um, yeah. had to take him on and Tagateezy and 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 Matt Pryor and all the big oh. boys, but it was good. It was good team building, you know. You you um, rip into each other and then you go and get a coffee and talk about it. So um, you yeah, definitely um, that's a good standard for the season going forward. But yeah. Oh. then I watched our um, sparring wild not last year, and he's a beast. And he's a boxer now. He's not yeah, a, he's right not a footy player anymore. You know he he was doing ten three minute rounds and against proper guys and. You know, I take my hat off to him. He trains extremely hard and, and he's fought some crazy opponents and, that's a, and he's doing you know an what? awesome job.
3: That's a credit to Paul Gallon, right, that he's, what, 38, 39 years of age. is as fit as any 38, 39-year-old going around, uh, hard as they come. And, and that's how he played his footy, right? He was just tough, unrelenting, and, and didn't take a backward step. And he's just applied this to... Uh, his boxing career. And what I love about it is, I know, is the fact that he just says, you know what, I'm a prize fighter. I fight for the money. Uh, and, and, you know, and you know what, there's nothing wrong with that.
2: You, you know the other thing, some of the rugby league players that have moved into boxing, it's been a bit of a circus. But I feel like his bout against Justice Hooney, yep. who was meant to go to the Olympic Games, yeah, you know, that brought such credibility. So he didn't back down from any credentialed fighter, did he?
3: No, and he hasn't done yeah. that. And, yeah. I know, how did you find... You know when you when you did fight against mate, I've got to tell you, you the other name that you mentioned, Tagatisi, he, he'd be the last guy I want to jump <laughs> in the ring with. I'm telling you right now. My goodness, how did he? Yeah, get? he
4: was um, he was good, but he, he didn't really punch unless you punched him first, so he could sort of move around the ring and <laughs> nearly get away from having around round about. I tell you what would happen
3: yeah, if I was fight. Got him a good one. I tell you what would happen if I was fighting. Cap- he, if he didn't punch unless I punched him. I wouldn't punch him. It'd be three minutes of doing nothing. it be a pantomime.
2: <laughs> yeah. We're live from BJ Howe's Meadowland on this Saturday morning talking to a two-time premiership winner, Chris Hyington, out of the Eumina Bunnies here on the Central Coast. Hey, Chris, one thing I love about the fight game is everyone's got a great story. And for BJ Leilua, he's spoken a lot about his mum who's got uh, kidney dialysis. So she's going through treatment at the moment he says he's a self-confessed mummy's boy and uh he's got that samoan heritage of course Mm. so you know we're all fighting for
4: something whether we're in the ring or not is that correct yeah that's correct like you know i I like it because i enjoy it i want to show people how to do it and hopefully i can show them you know to go and attack something they want to do but yeah like on joey you know i think he's a great footy player hopefully he can get a Another contract, summer because he's entertaining. He's a great player when he's on. He plays really well, and he's been nothing but respectful to me at the press conferences. So uh, I've got no bad blood. I'm not here to promote any fight. We're going to well, go out you there know what? and have a go. I want to hear
3: some. I want to hear some trash talk, mate. I'm calling a mummy's boy. No, or
4: something. No, <laughs> my, hey, Mickey boy, that's not my way, mate. I'm I'm um, I'm no trash talker, man. I'm, I, I respect him for hopping in the ring first and foremost. And, yep. Um, uh, come December tenth. We'll get it on. Uh, I'm glad you
2: will get it on. We'll get it yeah, on. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned about him as a footy player because I think he gave one of the best balls of I think it might have been last year before we went into covid. It was a short side play at Leichhardt Oval and he slipped a ball around the corner somehow. Might have been against the Raiders. Yeah.
3: How good was the combination? leilua Rapana. Yeah. Right down in Canberra. They're almost unstoppable at various stages. And unfortunately, I think for BJ Lua it's probably been, um, uh, look, a bit of his career where he can be absolutely brilliant, but he also appears to have that lazy side in him, right? You know who he
2: needs? He needs someone like Wayne Bennett. Like, there's a lot of talk in yes. the media at the moment about Madge Maguire and a fallout between the two. If he had someone like Wayne Bennett who backed him to the hilt and kind of curb just a few because he's sometimes erratic. Is that fair to say?
3: Yeah, well, uh, no doubt about it.
2: And when his brother plays, the two of them, <laughs> like it, it's a recipe <laughs> for it's, disaster. Mate, what
3: it is is nitro and glycerin. <laughs> That's what it is. Hey, hi know, mate, the West Tigers, uh, Tim Sheens is back at the helm uh, as the director of football. Uh, and I believe Benji Marshall is, uh, is going to be back at the club uh, in some sort of admin. Uh, ambassador type uh, role which I think is a real positive it appears they're going back mate is there a role for Chris Hinington there at some stage
4: oh maybe one day I'm a level 2 strength and conditioning coach now so um, yep. I want to get into the footy eventually but I'm enjoying doing my um, CHSP footy clinics as well at the moment yep. helping young kids try and um, go well at their sport but yeah Sheenzy and Benji great great addition to the Tigers Benji's going on as I think um, junior development, so he'll bring all the young half through um, yeah. through the system, and then yeah, obviously Sheen's an amazing attacking <laughs> coach. Obviously, the years he had at the Tigers were yeah. were outstanding. Hey. So hopefully, he can bring a bit of that back to the Tigers.
2: Hey Chris, can you uh, stay with us for one more break this morning? I know you've got a busy schedule, but uh, we're, in, able, we're enjoying the chat. Yeah, we're loving the chat.
3: We're loving
4: it. Yeah, I'll stay on for sure.
3: Yeah,
2: beautiful, beautiful. Chris Hyington, our first guest this morning. Uh, I tell you, looking forward to the rest of the show as well. Adam Kwasnick will join us. The Mariners up against Blacktown in Mudgee. Mm. One of our great mates is on his way out there at the moment, Tony Clark. I've been told that Mudgee is fully booked. Oh, Not a a
3: room in the inn. My daughter's out there as well with with her boyfriend and they're out there for the weekend, which is fabulous.
2: Yeah, great area. Beautiful Mm. wineries. uh, And that should be a cracking game later on this afternoon. The round of 32 in the Uh, FFA Cup. And, of course,
3: the Socceroos played on Thursday night. uh, Nil or draw against Saudi Arabia.
2: Yeah, I feel like we missed some opportunities, and then they almost snatched it late. And, of course, we're through to the T20 World Cup final.
3: Oh, plenty to talk about.
2: We'll chat to Gary Birkenshaw a little bit later on. And, Butch, you didn't think the Aussies could make it, so I'm looking forward to your analysis Mm. of their incredible win against Pakistan. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN.
1: BJ House Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track.
2: And we're live from BJ House Meadowland. We absolutely love it here, Buttes, and uh, today it's all about ladders. Australia's number one ladders brand, Bailey Ladders, now in stock at BJ House Meadowland. It's a new range for BJ House: step ladders, extension yeah. ladders, platform ladders trusted by tradies for over 60 years
3: you know the thing about a ladder, like every home needs a ladder and they've got a display here of all the different types of i didn't realize there was that many ladders platform step ladders normal ladders high ladders Whatever. Yeah. Okay, it just blows me out. But every home, at some stage, you're going to go, I need to reach up there.
2: And you know how most accidents happen for older guys is because uh, they let the ego get in the way. They haven't got a proper ladder. In fact, my ladder is a safety hazard. There's no doubt about it. So I'll be taking a look at the Bailey ladders before we get off the air today. Also, we're going to pick up a sander. Sharon's going to do a bit of... Uh Bit of work
3: around the house, you know, turn uh, some of our furniture into that beach look. Oi, I like it. And what you're not going to get on, you're going to leave that to Sharon. Yeah, absolutely. All right, okay, that's fair enough. You she's buy got, the stuff, you give her to, she does the hard work. She's got a creative spark Okay, fair enough. If you want to, if you, that's the way you're going to go with it. Hey, let's go back live. Is that what you say when you, she does the lawns as well? Let's go
2: back live. <laughs> no, that's my domain. Let, let's go back live to a two time premiership winner. He's fighting Joseph BJ Lay Lua. Chris Hyington thanks for staying with us. Mate, and what do you do between now and the fight? I mean, what are we November thirteenth? So you've got roughly a month. What does the time frame look like for you in terms of preparation? And I've got another key question: Will you run through your minor or terrible Rocky <laughs> Rocky style
4: with hundreds behind you
3: up the Skillion?
4: If I win, I'll probably make it up the Skillion. Nah, just joking. <laughs> um, yeah, um, no, excited. Um, yeah, so a month out, like you mentioned. So I've done a lot of sparring uh, yesterday and this morning. So I'm um, just out there at Gosford, complete boxing. they got some real good fighters. So I've been sparring some guys, um, doing heaps of rounds, getting through them pretty well. So I'm um, pretty tired right now. But, yeah, I'll do the... No, no one wants to see me running through the streets, mate. Um, oh, mate. I'm running I'm running early when everyone's still asleep. Oh, I start running early, so no one can see you, but... Um, Are the the butcher
3: shops in trouble? Are the butcher shops in trouble? Are we going to see you, Rocky Style, hitting the big side of beef?
4: Yeah, someone actually, one of my mates mentioned to that the other day. Go in there and hit the carcass and the ribs and that, but. I haven't. I haven't been there. I'm not sure if there's
2: one
3: around. There might be one in Gosford somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: Singers that, it,
2: that is a great idea. Great
3: idea. But you know what? You put a photo for MBN TV of BJ Lua on the piece of meat, and then you just uh, start. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh,
4: yeah. Rocky and Paulie. I mean
3: Paulie. <laughs> I'll be Paulie. okay? And and yeah, Steve, will <laughs> Steve will be Adrian. Steve will be Adrian. Hey, mate. I just want to touch on uh, your training and what you've been doing there. You've, you know, you've got a sports program. Uh, you know that focus on the, the young kids and, and trying to bring them through rugby league wise. I also know that you're doing a lot of training with the uh, the surfers. I know a lot of the emerging surfers. Are you still going down that path? Is that something that you've uh, still been doing? And you know, name some of the guys that you've been working with over the last few years.
4: Yeah, my surfing. So I've got a little uh, studio gym and I trained the like face bucket. He was just on tour. Molly Picklin, She's overseas at the moment. Um, in the Challenger Series, so she's mm-hmm. coming eight, she's got to finish six to qualify and go on the, the World to, Girls Tour. Um, she's got one more comp, so she's got to get a good result. Um, but she's only 18, so if she misses out, she can work hard and get it the following year. But, um, yeah, she's a good um, local girl from Shelley Beach and, yep. yeah, legend, legend person. So, yeah, and I work with a few other young kids um, coming through. And then, like you mentioned, I do footy clinics in the afternoon um all age groups from five all the way up to 17 um and all different sort of talents but we all sort of fit in and create like a team environment it's really fun and and then they go on to their their season hopefully you know feeling fit and strong and and, you know good good agility across the field and getting good feedback really enjoying it it rained last week so we took him to the gym and and got him in the gym but uh yeah it's a it's a Real buzz when you see some one of the kids really get more confidence going home or more confidence at school or playing on the footy field.
2: Chris, uh, any NRL player will tell you that what they do next, you know, that's a really difficult decision, mm. a really challenging decision for a lot of players. Was this a pathway you always wanted to head down?
4: Yeah, so I was, I was probably lucky. I just sort of banged out 100 games without doing too much. Um, and, you know, if I've got a career ending injury you know might not have had nothing to go into but then i started doing the level three and four in fitness then i went and did me level two strength and conditioning i did a business course but i was in the game for so long that i could manage to do that so i recommend to any player to get in early start it start something straight away because the nrl really chip in and help you you know the nrl get bagged at times but they really help you with your career transition you know um into the real world you know like you it's different. Like, um, it's not you know t- someone telling you what to do every day. You got to come up with, you know, your own planning. You know where you got to be. But when you're playing footy, you get a given to you. What shirt yeah. to wear? Where you're at? When? When's gym? When's lunch? So just trying to transition into the real world. Um, and there's a lot of good courses, like I mentioned, the NRL put you through to to make sure you're okay.
2: Yeah, that's amazing to hear you did the business course as well to really back up where you're heading. Uh, You know, and most players, Buttes, they don't play too many games. Like, Paulie Paulie's name came up this week because he signed with the York City Knights Mm. where Brendan O'Hagan is playing. Now, Paulie Paulie, if you look at his stats, in the end, he didn't even play 50 games in the NRL before he's gone overseas. I think he's spent time at Parramatta and then at the Newcastle Knights. So you're heading off to the UK without even 50 games under your belt. And that's... That's most players.
3: Yeah, it is. And, you know, I think the average is about, you know, two and a half seasons. And, you know, Chris is one of those fortunate ones who, and, and, you know, through hard work and effort and all those things and, and maybe a little bit of luck, who knows. But either way... This guy played over 300-odd first-grade games, which is absolutely phenomenal. What I do love is, Heino, uh, with what you're doing with these young kids in terms of their development programs and um, these extracurricular activities that they're doing outside of what they do with their normal training. This is something that I believe has probably been missing in rugby league for a long, long time. And you know, I know my kids are involved in soccer and there's a lot of these different academy-type programs set up. But to have someone of Chris Heinington's calibre you know, offering these kids an insight uh, and that specialised training is absolutely brilliant. I think it's a great opportunity, not only for kids on the Central Coast here, but, you know, something, Chris, that I think they could be taken to other areas um, as you look to expand and, and what have you, because I think there's a real need and demand. And, and let's not kid ourselves, when you look at a rugby league career now, it is a genuine career path. And we were talking earlier, Steve, about Reed Marnie, $600,000. That's a lot of money. So there's no reason why you couldn't invest that money in your child at a young age to give them that opportunity. Chris, just your thoughts about spreading that, uh, spreading it out amongst not only the Central Coast kids, but possibly other parts of the uh, Sydney and uh, Newcastle areas?
4: Yes, definitely some we've looked at. We've had uh, communication with other areas and other footy teams, local footy teams, and we're trying to sort of... you know, COVID sort of settled, but I had a few... Um, Areas I was going to go to in the bush as well and and train their whole club um, Mm. over the weekend. But um, obviously, you know, COVID slowed it up a bit. But like you mentioned, Jack Bird, he's come through that sort of system now. He's in at Manly playing SG ball. And, um, you know, that's what gets me excited. And then I've got Jacob Davis, who travelled from Maitland to the Central Coast to train with me now. He just signed, you know, the Parramatta Eels. So that's why I do it. I like seeing someone you know, moving on and being successful, you know, and living their dream to a degree, you know, like you know, this is what they want to do. Like you mentioned, Mick, like, um, you know, they want to be full-time rugby league players. So, you know, if I can help me in any way, I really, really enjoy doing it and love seeing them go on to the next step.
2: Hey, Chris, uh, we've taken up enough of your precious time, but can I just uh, paint a picture for you? We're live at BJ Howes on this Saturday morning. And the guy alongside me, uh, you know, it's it's fairly sunny here, so I grabbed a couple of hats yeah. out of the car. He's wearing a Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs hat. Michael Butner. Gee, I wish you had a gone wow. there to God blow blue and It
3: doesn't sit well with me right now. doesn't sit well. But <laughs> I love, it would have been a club that I would have loved to have played for. God knows I played for most of them. So it was yeah, one of the very few clubs I didn't play for. Hey,
2: how about a standing up ah. for Chris Hineson on this uh, Saturday morning. First cab off the rank. And uh, good luck in the fight against BJ Leilua.
4: Thanks, boys. Really appreciate it. Thanks for your support. We'll see you at
3: the butcher shop. We'll run it up the skillion either yep. way, mate. You'll be there. Yeah. Our people
2: at MBM will talk to your people and we'll we'll make
3: that happen. Paulie and Adrian will be right by your side. Hey,
2: we've got the news <laughs> coming up in just a moment. We've kept Donna Judge waiting way too long. Donna, inducted into the Central Coast Academy of Sport Hall of Fame. We'll talk to her in just a few moments. Then we're off to Mount Panorama to catch up with Lightning Luke King. This is Saturdays on the Coast on
1: SEN. BJ Howes and the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track.
2: Yeah, welcome back. We're live from BJ Howes and uh, awesome to be back here just a couple of weeks after our last show and uh, we thank them so much for their support. Don't forget Bailey Ladders. That's the number one ladder and uh, is now in stock at BJ Howes. Yep. Uh, Step ladders, extension ladders, platform ladders. Our next-door neighbour's a painter. He's got Mm. about 10 ladders. There you go. This is... The, the one-stop shop for him.
3: Bailey Ladders, they got them all. But BJ, is it BJ Leilua House medallion at the moment? <laughs> yeah.
2: <we've laughs> After brought, our last guest. We've, that's what we should do, bring BJ. BJ
3: Leilua to BJ House.
2: It's a, you're an idea, wow, man. Wow,
3: mate. I'm not here for my looks, I can assure you.
2: Hey, we've got Pete, our technician extraordinaire. We were just talking about BJ Leilua, about that game at Leichhardt. You were there.
5: Unfortunately, I was, Steve, being a Tigers fan, hoping... <laughs> As usual with the Tigers the last few years, win the last game, make the eight. Um, I was in my position, 10 rows back from the fence, 15 metres on one side of halfway, and BJ threw about three of those around the corner, reversed, <laughs> and he did it right in front of us, and everyone hit their mark yeah. for someone coming through. It was just one of those days when you see this is why this guy is playing first grade. Yeah, know, And I've also, he is a little bit erratic. But you I can mean, see
3: other reasons why that, at times where he shouldn't be playing first grade.
5: Yeah, on that day, Michael, he, yep. he couldn't do anything wrong. And I think the Raiders put 50-odd on the Tigers that day. I mean, the game was over 20 minutes after it started.
2: They've had a few games like that, the Tigers, where they just haven't aimed up where there's so much on the line. Yeah,
5: yeah. And it's happened
3: time and time again, unfortunately, for the Tigers. And you know what? It's Look, I just hope with Tim Sheens coming back, Benji Marshall, I know Warren McDonald's back there uh, as the football manager. Um, Shane's is Director of Football. I hope that there's this <laughs> level of solidarity and stability now within the club that enables Madge McGuire to focus on the coaching uh, and get the job done.
2: Let me ask you this, boys, before we go to Donna Judge, who's been waiting patiently for about the last 15 minutes. Did you see any footage of Tim Sheen's come back into Australia? It was like the Messiah had arrived. Did you, you see stra- that
5: extraordinary? It was like they obviously must have known him what, what flight he was on and what <laughs> gate he was coming out because they got him as soon as he came out of the, out of the arrivals lounge.
3: Yeah, that red carpet was laid out. <laughs> Mate,
5: they had it, it all, and he yeah. went
3: straight to Concord.
5: Straight to Concord. Straight to training.
3: Unbelievable. Talking
5: to uh, Ronnie Palmer as soon as he. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who, who doesn't Ronnie know in rugby uh, league? He's this? a few clubs, Michael. How many is Ronnie uh,
3: is Isn't there some years there, some experience there? <laughs> Tim Sheens, Ronnie Palmer, Warren McDonald. Wow, there is some experience right there.
2: All right, let's go live now to uh, Donna Judge, who's been waiting patiently for us, uh, inducted into the Central Coast Academy of Sport Hall of Fame on Wednesday night. Donna, congratulations, first of all, and uh, can, can we start uh, just getting a history of your association with the Academy of Sport?
0: Well, hi, Steve. How's you? How are you going? I don't, I don't mind waiting on. Um, I can talk about or listen to rugby league talk all morning, so that's fine. Um, look, I actually sort of got introduced to the Academy of Sport about 10 years ago when um, my eldest daughter Casey was selected in the netball program and Sammy was selected into the swim program. So I sort of learnt early on what a great um, opportunity these young athletes on the coast have been selected into the academy and not having to travel up and down the M1 um, for these specialised training sessions. So, so when I was sort of asked early on, probably you know, back in about 2012 I suppose, to be the manager of the Netball program, I of course accepted um, with, with Open Arms to sort of, yeah, continue on with um, being manager of the um, Inside the Academy.
3: And Donna, you've obviously had such a big impact and introduced the parents and the volunteers, um, sort of a program that encourages those parents and volunteers to be a part of the the academy.
0: Yeah, look, I sort of um, always, as you guys would probably know, kids' sport doesn't actually happen without parents and carers putting Mm -hmm. their hand up. So I sort of from um, as soon as my kids started to be involved in sport, I put my hand up to be a... A volunteer. I started off at athletics and I was with the Sugger Lake Singara Athletics for 10 years. Um, and then it just progressed into netball. And as some parents do, once their kids sort of wrap everything up, you just keep, keep volunteering because you just fall in love with the, with the sport. And that's what I did with the academy. I started off early on, fell in love with the sport and the academy, and um, I'm still managing today.
2: Yeah, and uh, your girls, of course, are very talented water polo players as well, and you're involved in that sport. But uh, just tell us, you want to talk about pathway systems, and I really love the conversation we had off the air uh, earlier this morning. Laura Moore's probably a prime example from netball, who has won a couple of premierships now with the New South Wales Swifts and has gone across to the Giants. Yeah, look, if there's
0: any young, um, aspiring netball players on the coast, Laura Moore is one of the current prime examples of an athlete who has gone through the Central Coast um, pathway for netball. She started off in the grassroots with Batabay Dolphins netball. She represented a district netball at State Champs. She was selected into the Academy of Sport. Um, Then, of course, she went and played for the Premier League, Central Coast Park, State teams, and, of course, now she's playing with the um, Giants, but she did play for the um, Swifts there for a few years. So, the Academy is right in the middle of that pathway. So, they have a great connection between the grassroots and the Premier League, and then on to state, and then hopefully we have more athletes that take up the Super Netball um, teams. So, yeah, the Academy, I'm so pleased to be part of it that actually fall smack in the middle of, of that continued pathway.
3: Donna, like most volunteers, parents who just get in and get the job done. You're very humble and but I do want to talk about the fact that, you know, we can't underestimate that you were given uh life membership of the Academy and how did that make you feel in relation to, you know, the hard work that you've put in. And I know, you know, you do it for nothing and and that's the passion and love that you have for it, but it is obviously nice to be recognised for for the time that you've put in. Yeah, look you just you
0: said it sort of hit the nail on the head. There. I've been with the academy for probably nine or ten years now, and it was a massive honour, very, very um, unexpected. Um, but I always do wear the CCAS logo with pride, whether I'm, you know, wearing it up on the golf um, course or whether I'm at training or I'm out just in the community. I, I do wear that logo with with much pride. So it was lovely to be recognised with the um, contribution that I put towards the academy, because it is it's is something that I love I love doing. So. It was, yeah, it was a massive, massive honour, and um, I do cool. thank Moose, of course, and the, and the board of the academy for um, recognising yeah, my contribution.
2: When you were invited on Wednesday night, and it was hosted by Lara Coffey, by the mm, way, from MBN yeah. TV, yes, who did a sensational job, did, did you have any inkling that you're up for life membership? And I believe uh, another man, uh, Peter Cliff, uh, was also yeah. inducted. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, so so Clippy and I, I was the seventh inductee and he was the eighth. So um, on the night, we actually did know a little bit before, but we sort of kept that to ourselves um, just so we were prepared, of course. But yeah, so Clippy, um, Cliffy and myself were both super excited on the night, and um, yeah, it was it was it was a lovely night.
2: Uh, I've got a key question. Did Lara Coffey make sure everyone gave you a standing oath? It's mandatory for life membership. <laughs>
0: Of course she did. She did a super job. So, um, yeah, Lara, yeah, she did a wonderful job on the night. It was was a very special
2: night. Also, you mentioned about your daughters, you know, coming through as young athletes, and it's incredible now. Both of them are are mothers, uh, which means you're a nan, which uh, is just mind-blowing because our kids grew up together and suddenly uh, they've started their own families.
0: I know, super excited. Two COVID babies into the family but yeah, we've got little um, Oakland who's about um, I think he's eight months old now and little Xander which is Samantha's little fella and he's he's three months old so I'm hoping they're going to be all into sports so then Nana can go around and uh, watch them play and maybe I'll be still volunteering when they're when they're back playing sports.
5: Yeah, well, I think
2: volunteering is something that, uh, you know, it's part of our DNA in Australia. My mum's in her 80s and she's volunteered, you know, really, for the last 20 years she's been, you know, a committed volunteer at the Commonwealth Games, at the Karaman Bird Sanctuary on the Gold Coast.
3: And, you know what, I remember, you know, even playing grade, that there were those people that were the salt of the earth. They were just a part of the club and they'd been there from basically day dot, um, and just become those familiar faces who you could always rely on to get whatever you needed at any time, and they'd bend over backwards. And, and it sounds, Donna, that you're one of those people who um, obviously uh, such a big part of the academy uh, and what, I guess, sport is all about. Yeah, definitely. As I said before, parents just need to put their hands up so
0: their kids can, can just go and enjoy the sport while they've got other people just... Just running it. And, I mean, it's something that my whole family has done. Um, You Mm. know, when I was a kid, my father volunteered. He was into softball. He was the head coach of athletics down in um, Green Valley when I was a kid. So it was just something we sort of um, grew up with as well. My mum was a manager of a Gosford netball rep side when um, my sister was younger. So it was just sort of a natural progression that that I would one day, you know, volunteer for help out of the kids' sports.
2: Yeah, well done, Donna. We're giving you a standing ovation from uh, BJ House on a Saturday morning. Uh, Well done. Inducted into the Central Coast Academy of Sport Hall of Fame. You know, we we mentioned a moment ago about Tim Sheens, and it was like the Messiah. Mm -hmm. I got that vibe just a moment ago when Steve Dawson arrived here at BJ House.
3: Yeah, well, I heard the trumpets going off. I saw the red carpet, and I think I did see... Some of the staff... Squirming? No, no, throwing out <laughs> rose petals as he walked in. Like, he is the Messiah here. There is no doubt about it.
2: Yeah, we're off to a break. uh Live from BT House on this beautiful Saturday morning. Gale Force wins, though, on mm. the uh, Central Coast. Uh, we're back. We'll go live to Mount Panorama with Lightning Luke King next on Saturdays on the Coast. <laughs>
1: BJ House Metaland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. This is Saturdays on the coast on SEN Track.
2: You know, Buttes, as early as the 1990s, I was—I've mm. been involved with McHappy Day yep. uh, when I was working as a radio DJ, a music announcer when I was in uh, 2LM in Lismore. I remember being behind the counter at McDonald's in Ballina for McHappy Day. It's a fantastic concept. They've raised hundreds of millions. Adam, you've got some stats uh, on what we can do today to help the cause. Yeah, that's right, boys. So give back with a Mac this
6: McHappy Day. Of course, today, Saturday, November 13, $2 from every Big Mac sold, including McDelivery, goes towards helping seriously ill children and their families through Ronald McDonald House charities. McDelivery is available in select locations. But, yes, McHappy Day.
3: Yeah. yeah. I've, been, I've got to say, I've been fortunate. Done likewise, Steve. Uh, attended many McHappy Days and helped out, but also been to the Ronald McDonald House uh, itself. And, you know, you see the kids and what they're going through, but also the parents and what they're having to deal with when they've got a uh, the child that is sick or in hospital for, you know, a, a long period of time. It's not an easy situation. Uh, and for Ronald McDonald House to provide, or the charity to provide that type of environment for parents to feel at ease, comfortable uh, in what are really tough times, is an outstanding... And so, if look, if you're hungry today and you're driving past Mackers. Get yourself a Big Mac because we know $2 goes to Ronald McDonald House, Cherry.
2: Yeah, that's in Camperdown, isn't it? I, I went there when I was working at 2UW. There.
3: There's one out at Westmead too.
2: Yeah, so yep. con- congratulations to Mac. As in the second hour, hopefully we'll get Hayden Smith. He's competing at the Surf Sports Series at Avoca this morning. He's one of our best lifesavers, but he also, he also runs numerous McDonald's. So hopefully we'll get him on just before 11 o'clock this morning. Right now, though... Let's go live to Mount Panorama. Lightning Luke King is there, and good morning, mate. Are you doing doing driver training this morning?
7: Yeah, good morning, ladies and gents. I am doing uh, driver coaching this weekend. Uh, I love that you guys are giving a shout-out to McHappy Day. I actually went and got my morning coffee from Macca's on the way to the track this morning, and I gave a donation to McHappy Day. So, uh, yeah, everyone who's listening should definitely get on that for sure. So... uh, yeah, boys, we're we're out here at Mount Panorama. It's a it's a low of six and a top of ten today, and it mm. is bucketing down rain.
1: Um,
7: <laughs> so yeah, if that's anything to go by for what's coming up for the one thousand in a month's time, it's going to be a very interesting weekend. So, Luke, uh, I've got
3: yeah. I've got to say, Luke, if you're going to get some training done or some you know practice under your belt, there's probably no better place. Well, definitely no better place in Australia, and I don't know about the world, but. <laughs> to be doing it than mount panorama
7: absolutely mate and especially for people who are going to race here this type of track time is just it's invaluable um Mm. if we could have been up here for tcr we would have been but any any laps around the mountain uh like you you learn every time you come here you know like i've been racing here for over six years now um and every time i come here i learn something different and it just, like, it builds your respect for, for the guys like Brocky and Goss and Moffat, who, who all used to come here back in the day, you know, and know, knew the place so well and uh, were able to take on the mountain like they did.
2: Hey, Luke, can we talk about the V8s because, or the supercars, last week we saw incredible scenes in the wet at night and your teammate at TCR, Chaz Mostert, heavily involved in the action.
7: Yeah, mate. Chazzy came from last on the grid to, to sneak a podium in. Uh, and then, unfortunately, they had a few safety cars. And, uh, yeah, it, it just didn't allow the, the race to sort of continue. So, Wind Cup got, got a good win there. Um, and I think Chaz would have continued to move forward. And I honestly reckon it was probably one of the best races I've seen from supercars in a long time. You know, like, the rain always brings out, you know, the really good drivers to the front of the pack and it just made the racing so exciting. You know, like, with the Tim Slade, and I can't remember who else was involved, but there was a move at Turn 3 where there was three cars side by side, and they all managed to get through it. Like, the the, the quality of racing last weekend was brilliant, and, uh, yeah, the, the right guys ended up on the podium. Yeah, I saw that as well, the three mm. across the track. It was spectacular to watch.
2: Uh, the Formula One, now Butes is all over this. Of course, he loves drive to survive, but speaking about the wet, who are the best Formula One drivers, in your opinion of all time, in treacherous conditions?
7: Yeah, I obviously Senna is probably one of the first ones that comes to mind. Um, he's very famous for knowing, like, when he was a go-karter, he used to just go out in the, in the wet and look for wet days to be on slick tyres. And he'd drive around with no grip just to get the feeling of what it was like and to mm. try and push those grip levels. And, you know, Lewis Hamilton's hero is that better, and he's really followed in the footsteps of that. So I rate Lewis up there. You know, Max is great in the wet. Any of those guys, even Lando, even though he made that mistake in uh, in Russia and stayed out on slicks, I think he's a, he's a weapon in the wet as well. Uh, and you can't go past our own Danny Rick boys. He's always good.
2: Yeah. yeah, what about James Hunt? Because in that movie with Nikki Louder, uh, I clearly remember, I think James Hunt wanted to race and Nikki thought it was too dangerous.
7: Yeah, well, look, I, I think uh, James was just more willing to, to risk it at that point. I mean, Nikki had been in a life-threatening accident earlier that year, and I don't know whether... I mean, James Hunt obviously had, had the skill to, to keep it on track, but... Uh, uh, famously as James would say I think it was his balls that kept him on the track more than anything
3: else <laughs> yeah just quickly Luke I do want to touch on last week Verstappen gets the uh, the points um, or the victory in Mexico they're going to Brazil he's opened up a 19 point lead so it's pretty significant now but I do, I do know we've got to head well, to the news Steve, well,
2: maybe maybe Luke can you stay with us for one more break on this Super Saturday
7: yeah sure boys no worries
3: yeah, there oh, we beautiful. go. Beautiful, there
2: you go. So we'll go back live to Luke King in the second hour. We'll also catch up with Margaret Beardsley, an incredible achievement by her and her team. They've done the well, 170 runners are involved. It's the Run Around Australia Challenge. We're off to the news though. We're back shortly. Saturday's on the coast, live from BJ House.
1: BJ House Middle Land, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. Welcome to Saturdays on the coast on SEN Track.
2: Yeah, we're live from BJ Howe's Meadowland on this Saturday morning. Butch, you just took a look inside this door, and there's like a, a tool set that is a couple of stories high.
3: Mate, the socket set from Sid chrome, it's ridiculous. There's that many sockets there, I wouldn't know what to do with them. But the boy said that if you're a uh, you know a budding mechanic or you know, you're know you pretty handy on the tools at home, then that's what you're after. And I just looked at it and went, wow, amazing.
2: Yeah, the other thing too, Butes, I've never really had a good ladder. And uh, the one I've got at the moment is, you know, kind of broken and it's treacherous. Oh, grickety. Steve-O could do himself some damage. Well. Permanent damage.
3: Well, we don't want any of that. So that's why you need to get the Bailey ladders because they have got a range that is second to none, Steve. Tell me some of the types of ladders they've got.
2: Well, it's Australia's number one ladder. Of course. Step ladder, extension ladder, Mm -hmm. platform ladder. In fact, uh, let's go back to Lightning Luke King because... Uh, Luke, I know you're live from Mount Panorama. You're focused on coaching, but you were telling me yesterday you're a bit of an expert on ladders. Is that correct?
7: Oh, look, mate, you know, you've, you've got to be a bit of a tool guy when you're preparing race cars. And it just, mm. it just came to my mind that I, I'm pretty sure it was John H. Basley of Dayton who invented the ladder, the step ladder, actually, in 1862. And there was, I, I found another interesting fact that the ladder was used in Spain over 10,000 years ago from some carvings that were on the wall. So, mate, the ladder's been around for a very long time, very useful tool. It can come in rope, aluminium, wood. You can make a ladder out of anything, basically. Yeah, but obviously yeah I, tell you,
2: I tell you, I'm going to play this back to Buttes yeah. after the show. This is the kind of research that you, is you need to phenomenal. embark on.
3: Phenomenal. And I've got to say, Luke, <laughs> that two-storey socket set is right up your alley, and I'm surprised you're not... Oh. Well, you've probably been here already, the BJ House Meadowland, and got the socket set because it was unbelievable.
7: Mate, I, I have had a few tools from over the years from BJ Howes. They they hooked me up to uh, refurbish our race car trailer, and mm-hmm. uh, we've obviously had the sims set up there as well. We've had the sim racing going on at BJ House, when we've helped them do the no. promos, so... Uh, yeah, give, give my mate Dawson a, uh, a, a hello for me because uh, I played third grade with Dawson back in 2011 and we went undefeated the whole year.
3: Until oh, the, the Messiah. Yeah. The Messiah is here. He's oh, in the, he's the house. Apparently. Well, <laughs> he,
2: he is all business today yeah, because yeah. He's, he's conducting interviews. interviews. He's, ne- in, he's in the Ivory tower. Show, next show we do here, we should have Lightning Luke King's race car oh. here on the lot. You're doing oh, burnouts. As, as well as the sim, and then Lightning Luke King can do a shooey. Hey, Luke, <laughs> uh, Brazil. Brazil,
7: tell us yep. more so
3: we were qualifying overnight, Luke. Was that uh,
7: how did yeah. that play out, mate? Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting, mate. It's it's swung back to, to Hamilton, so he now qualified the Dappen by almost half a second, which is a huge margin. Um, obviously I, I don't think Max quite got the lap in that he wanted, but you've got the you know, the first Mercedes and the first Red Bull on the front row and then the second two on on row two so it's going to be an interesting battle uh the standout for me and in qualifying all this year has been pierre gasly um you know he got dropped from red bull back in 2019 and he has been punching well above his weight all year he's qualified in the top five eight times this year and uh he's another red bull honda so you know, if there's three Red Bull Hondas up in that top five and he's fighting for a podium, he could be a, a real fly in the ointment for Mercedes.
3: It's amazing, Luke, how, you know, having watched that driver to survive and you see drivers change, chop and change and go to different uh, constructors, how, you know, it might be the environment, it might be the car, the setup of the car, the way it suits that driver the jet, or complements that driver. Um, it's amazing how, you know, because their ability doesn't change at all. They're all very, very talented at what they do. But it's just the makeup, the you know, the whatever it is, uh, in and around, because the, there's so many factors involved in, you know, having the success that you need.
7: Yeah, absolutely, mate. I think it's um, a lot about the personnel that are involved as well, obviously. And it's just like, it really is a team sport, you know. It's like, if I can re- relate it to NRL, it would be like if you had a, a hooker and a halfback that didn't really gel together and, and mm. couldn't really, like, put plays together, you know? So um, it's all about having the right guys on the team and, and having a decent working relationship with your teammate as well because if the teammates have troubles, um, sometimes it can push the team, but sometimes it can send the team backwards and create a real divide, um, which is where I think... I think Danny, Rick and Norris are are doing a good job together now. I was quite worried about that relationship and how it would go. But um, I think they're working well with each other. And uh, and Danny did a really good job in quality today. He pretty much matched Lando. He missed out by just under half a tenth of a second. But uh, he's right there on Lando now, which is looking good for him.
2: We're talking to Lightning Luke King, race car champion in the Toyota 86 series and now the TCR Australia series where he's currently ranked second. And Luke, final question for you this morning from me anyway. Uh, after coaching at Mount Panorama, you're off to Melbourne
7: again. Yeah, mate. Yeah, we're back down to Melbourne. Um, I've got a key coaching uh, down at Phillip Island. We've got a, a standard track day down there and we're doing a corporate day for Aston Martin as well, which is pretty cool. So... Um, I'll have, uh, have spent some time in the workshop on the Audi sim um, and just talking to the guys, making sure everyone's happy and we've got all that teamwork vibe sort of set up for, for Bathurst and we've got that winning attitude ready to go. So, uh, mm. yeah, looking forward to being on the track next week and then I kind of just shut off and go into Bathurst mode for two weeks, basically.
3: Have you got the, uh, the black suit? with the bow tie and the <laughs> martini shaken, not stirred, ready to go because
7: the Aston Martin
3: is the car of choice of uh, James Bond 007.
7: It is, mate. And, I could, and is. I could see you
3: fitting in quite comfortably in that mould.
7: Well, look, I mean, I, I appreciate that, butte but I'd, I'd like to think that I'm more of the new James Bond spec where he's got a Heineken in the hand. I think that's more me after a long track day, just sitting in the garage looking at my Aston with a with a nice coldie. I think that's that's where it's at.
2: Yeah, I think we'll be off to watch the movie tomorrow. <laughs> uh, myself and my son Corey, and uh, hopefully Talia will come too. Uh, but. Uh Wow, how how cool. They've delayed this movie. It was meant to come out last year, so really looking forward to seeing it. Hey, uh, Lightning, Luke King, thanks again, my friend. Uh, best of luck out of Bathurst and down in Melbourne. And uh, I move emotion that Luke is here next time we're at BJ House.
3: Uh, with the simulator.
7: Get us down there, boys. Uh, you, you almost broke my theme last time you jumped on it, though, mate, <laughs> when, we, when we were at Gosford Races. So. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be letting you on this time.
3: Oh, we'll bring the car down, mate. We'll do some burnouts in the uh, car park. Yeah, the car will be better. Yeah, yeah, you won't
7: break that. All right, right, beautiful stuff.
2: Uh, Let's go to one of our favourite guests right now who's been waiting on the line, and it's Margaret Beardsley, OAM. And, Margaret, good morning. Congratulations. Thanks for waiting on the line. Congratulations to... Morning, guys. ...over 170 runners with the Run Around Australia. There's a great interview with yourself and also Pat Farmer on your Coast Runners Shop Facebook page. Can you tell us more about this? Uh, it's monumental.
8: We uh, we had so much fun. Last year we had uh, yellow dots around on the footpath that people were chasing. And they were special distances where this one was, anybody can put in a, a run and, uh, sorry, excuse me if I'm puffing a little bit because I'm out training for the uh, Great North Walk, <laughs> 25k.
3: <laughs> She's racking up the k's. Yeah,
8: But Margaret. A walk or a run like this could have been logged and put onto the page, and uh, over the weeks, we contributed all those distances to the path around Australia. So we went uh, right up the uh, east coast, at Townsville we headed across over to Darwin, then over to via Cannonara, to Broome, Carnarvon, down to Perth, Eucla. I know these names now because we did this and yeah. it was so much fun because we couldn't go anywhere but we went the whole way around Australia. We looked at all these different towns along the way and mm. you know everybody was just really excited. I I had some draws from uh time to time when we reached certain destinations. But uh, what a better way to finish it off than to get Pat Farmer to come out and give everybody um, a congratulations. So that was, it was fun.
3: Outstanding effort, Margaret. And uh, great to see that you had no issues with quarantining or border closures.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was a few jokes along the way for that. But thankfully, yeah, it was a great way to do it, not having to deal with all that.
3: Yeah, Margaret, does it put in
2: perspective, does it really put in perspective now just what Pat achieved by having... Yo, as I said, 170 runners clocking up this distance. He's one man that got it done.
8: Oh, look, it, it's phenomenal, you know, and I think it's just so much respect from all those people you know, who may have heard of this guy. He, he's a very uh, quiet achiever, Pat, hmm. and he goes out and does a lot of fundraising. All of his his running is targeted on fundraising, and he yeah, he, I mean, he's just got an incredible body to take that abuse. I mean, we had Fifteen thousand three hundred something kilometres, and I will say we cut it short. We went mainland Australia, and Pat did the whole of the so He did Tasmania as well, and he took uh, 191 days. We did it in 141 with that many runners, with over 150 runners.
2: Mm. Yeah, one fifteen thousand three hundred and twenty-nine to be yep. precise. Uh, is there anyone, or I, I guess there's a lot of people that deserve a special mention for going above and beyond in this challenge?
8: Oh, uh, look, it, it was the big hitters that got us there in that short time. And, and when you say short time, yeah, I mean, if we'd have had uh, the extra 50 days, a lot of people maybe doing 5K runs, we might we would have still gotten there. But I had uh, people like Julie Brock who went out uh, repetitively uh, running 100k runs. Now she's training for the Coast to cozy which is a 240km run coming up in a couple of weeks' time. And then we had a whole bunch of people putting out 40 and 50km runs, and they were do- they're were training for the Great North Walk runs, which are in two weeks' time, and that's the one that I'm uh, out here. I'm doing the shortest version.
2: Yeah, but I'm, I'm disappointed in myself because through lockdown, I actually ran more than I've ever run. And a few weeks, like, it doesn't sound like much, but there were a couple of weeks where I ran, like, a full marathon across the week. Yep. So, and I'd have a long run on the weekends. And uh, I wish I'd been clocking it with this challenge now.
3: Yeah, it would have been outstanding. Yeah, Margaret, I, I heard you touch on Pat Farmer and, you know, what he was capable of physically. But for me, the biggest thing is mentally. The fact that he's got this ability to do these 60, 70, 100 kilometre days back to back and then back to back and then just to keep going and I just it, it's hard to imagine someone being able to do that and you have to be yeah. very, very unique or crazy oh, he's to unique. Do that. He's uh, definitely uh, unique.
8: And and I'll give a plug right now for his book Pole to Pole that yep. is when he ran from the North Pole to the South Pole I was absolutely riveted to that book. I mean, I can't even imagine running anywhere in the North Pole, but he's come right from the North Pole. And and just even the the physical challenge, the mental challenge, but they also had the administrative challenge because they had to find when they could actually have a a hard surface to run on before the ice melted and when the planes could get there and carry the gear. Uh, Fantastic. He's, He's an amazing, amazing person.
2: Uh, Margaret, you're in career best form this morning, even though you are are out running. Uh, Is there a chance you can stay with us for just a few more minutes on this Saturday? Sure. So we'll take, a, take a breath, Margaret. Take a breath. You've got three minutes. Have you got an here? Uh This is Saturdays on the Coast. Steve Allen and Michael Butner. We're live from BJ Howes, right alongside the Bailey Ladders, Australia's number one ladder. Uh, while we're here this morning, I'm going to pick up a sander because doing a little bit of renovating. No, rem- you're not. Sharon is. Sharon
3: yes, yes, yeah, exactly. Let's call yeah. it how it is.
2: Well, she's got the creativity.
3: Okay, if that's
2: what you want to call it. She could be on, like, uh, The Block or, you know, some kind of renovation show.
3: And what would you be? Would well, you just be the token male counterpart? Token male. Is, <laughs>
2: token that, male. is that what I'm reduced oh. to? <laughs> We're back in just a moment. Saturday's on the coast. Thanks to BJ Howes and also our great mates at Robson Civil Projects. Back in just a moment.
1: B.J. Howes and the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track.
2: Yeah, good morning. A beautiful day on the Central Coast. Uh, gale force winds. Uh, I guess no. no one could tell us more about the weather conditions than Margaret Beardsley, who's training for the Great North Walk. Margaret, uh, thanks again for joining us on the show. And can you tell us more about the Great North Walk and some of the main contenders in 2021?
8: Oh, look, uh, the Great North Walk Walk uh, has been put on by Terrigal Trotters. It was a brainchild of Dave Burns some uh, 15 years ago, I think, and uh, started off as a 100 kilometres, 100 miler, and started (laughs) from Newcastle, uh, the trail all the way on to Patonga. Uh, just in the last couple of years, there was a little bit of, uh, issues with getting permissions around the back of Sesnock. So they've had to change it to Patonga. But in doing so, uh, they've, they've added a few more runs. So they've added a 50 mile, a 50k, and a 25k. So that's, it's, it's sort of reached a little bit further into the running community for people who can, uh, you know, achieve those goals, such as you know. I'm happy to try for 25. I did the 50. I don't know if I'd be able to tackle the 100 miles. That's that's huge. And you've got the likes of uh, Grant Brisbane, who you've uh, previously interviewed, uh, vying for that. I think uh, Joseph McGrath, a local, one of our local boys. Uh, actually, he might be in the 100K, and he'd be a dead set favourite for that. He's a, a speedy. Uh, runner and, and a good endurance runner melissa robinson she's uh, heading out in the uh, 50 mile i believe and uh, yeah just a lot of local runners that are embracing the concept of getting out and seeing how far they can go and how quickly i guess well not for us yeah, it, at the back of the pack we're just doing it
3: i'm interested in margaret when you said how quick they can do it what sort of times are we looking at for this you know the 50 miles, the 100 miles, the 100 kilometres. What sort of time frame are, are we looking at in relation to these people completing that dis- those distances?
8: So you're looking probably around 20, 21 hours for the 100 miles for the uh, the first uh, runners. Um, I'm not sure what the pace average is. I think it sits around uh, seven or seven, six or seven kilometres minutes a kilometre. It's quite fascinating when you think about the terrain that they have to go through up and down rocks yep. and stairs and twisting and through gullies. Um, so the, the 50 mile we reckon that'll be, that'll be over for the fast ones probably in uh, 11 hours, maybe 12. Yeah. I think um, Clark McClymont had the 100k record at about 10 and a half hours from... Uh, uh, on the old course for, for the 100k versus uh, what's that? About 60 miles, and the 50, 50 will be a little bit uh, quicker than that. But the, I think the course is a little bit harder. They've got just a, a little bit more gnarly rock and not much open trail
3: or road.
2: Hey, I reckon Margaret's pulse rate has gone up slightly uh, in this
3: segment. She's climbing, an in, she's on the yeah. incline at the moment. <laughs> Well, I mean, trying. I'm, trying
8: I'm trying to go slow enough so
2: you don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so we're I love coming what you
8: up to a windy section
2: as well. I love what you said about Pat Farmer, because who even knew that he lived at Copacabana? And then what he did just recently as well with uh, you know, his run at Singleton Army Base, and he had such grand plans for that, where he was going to try to reunite a lot of small towns and yep. pass the Indigenous baton. And a thousand miles to light against the Americans. It actually became a, a TV show on uh, KO, so it was fantastic to watch and another great achievement by a legendary Australian.
8: And a great fundraiser. He, he said something with 70 odd thousand dollars, I think, that they raised. So that's, uh, I mean, it'd be interesting to know what he's raised for all of his different charities. But uh, one, one run after another, and as I said, all of them to raise, mo- raise money, so it's
2: fantastic. Yeah, and that, uh, that run in particular was for Reach Out Australia, which is for young Australians who've been struggling with their mental, mental health. health. Yeah. Uh, Margaret, fantastic. Uh, have you got any final words this morning about uh, either uh, this incredible run around Australia or the Great North Walk or anything else happening in track and field because we know you're the Bruce McAvaney of... Central Coast. Yes.
8: Well, if, you've got, if I'm allowed to have a bit of free space, the uh, state 3K is on, so we're talking at the other end of the scale. And uh, I'm just going to take a pause because we're just about to hit the lake. And I, it's not if it's if the wind isn't 60 kilometres an hour out there, I'd be surprised. So you probably won't be able to hear a word I say. But uh, there's a huge uh, surge in the in the speedy end of the. The, what is it, we call that distance at three k. When you're talking 100 k, it seems like it's not. It's not in the distance world. But uh, we've got James Starkey heading down, uh, Andrew Land, uh, Ryan McKendrick. We're a bit low on with the girls, I must admit, which is a bit of a shame. But uh, can you believe they've got about 20 runners per grade, and they're going down to N grade? Wow! So it's amazing the. Uh, well, the enthusiasm coming back out of COVID. So that'll be uh, that'll be an amazing night tonight to go down and watch uh, uh, a lot of those runners compete. And uh, when they get into those groups, they feed them, it gives them that opportunity to really perform at their best level.
3: And I'm assuming, Margaret, that we're looking probably around that 10, 11, 12-minute mark oh, for this no, 3K.
2: No. How about 7.5? Uh, no way.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
8: 7.5, yeah. The, you'll have to be uh, sub 8.15 probably to get in A grade, and wow. then maybe 8.30, 8.40 to get in B grade, and then sub 9 minutes, so that'll probably be a big, uh, like, two or three grades to cover that. So, If you can run 10 minutes for 3K,
2: you're probably in about F grade.
3: <laughs> yeah, they're incredible. How, so, they're how would steve go back in the day, you know, at Palm Beach? <laughs> crumb, uh,
2: where S- does he fit in? Well, Steve-O, his PB was around, uh, you know, two minutes flat in the 800. Wow. Uh, the 1500 was uh, low four minutes. So, yeah, Steve-O would have been, uh, you know, thereabouts. Mm. Uh, maybe not in A grade. No. Uh, <laughs> maybe, like everything else, maybe a C grader. <laughs> well, to get an A grade for
8: the 800, now you have to run a sub- sub-145, that's for sure. So uh, they're really uh, performing well. And of course they're coming off the back of the Olympics, which is yeah, that's just a really uh, strong time for athletics.
2: Yeah. Hey, Margaret, uh, thanks so much. Pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, we do this thanks to the Coast Runners Shop. If you need... Uh, you know, an awesome pair of runners. Well, I've got the uh, brooks on at the moment, yeah. but uh, Hocker is one of the specialties. What a beautiful running shoe they are. But uh, you name it, yeah. Nikes, Margaret's got it all at the Coast Runner shop at Killarney vale. Thanks, guys. Pleasure
8: talking to you.
2: Margaret Beardsley. Hey, when you're talking about Steve-O in his prime, uh, 1980s Palm Beach Corrumbin. Circa. You know we're talking 37 years ago.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's okay. That's all right. It's nice to look back on history and go, you know, how good I was. Because you tend to do that a fair bit on this show.
2: Well, (laughs) and Steve-O does seem to get better.
3: Yes, he, amazingly, yeah, he just keeps getting. And I didn't realize the array or the broad range of sports that you were able to cover, like the high jump. The distance running, the, now the surf life-saving?
2: AFL, surf AFL, life oh, saving. Oh,
3: What was it? Hang time, Allen? Yeah.
2: Hang well, well my, my nickname was Rocket. Right, right okay. Rocket Allen. Based
3: it, on what? launches to the stratosphere. So, oh, okay. Oh, I thought you were that fast.
2: <clears throat> but I'd definitely like to talk to you about the equal pay for the uh, Queensland women's mm. origin. I'm not sure that we've got enough time in this segment, but uh, I think it's fantastic news. As you know, I've been the master of ceremonies for the NRL. Yep for the last, uh, for numerous women's origin matches, including test matches. And to hear this news, well, I I sent a message to Ali Brigginshaw last night, the Queensland and Australian captain, and she came back to me. So I was hoping we could get her on the show this morning, but um, just struggling to track her down at the moment. But let's talk about it more after the news. We'll also talk about the T20
3: World Cup final. The the boys, outstanding effort. Burgo's going to come on because he's across everything, matey.
2: And it's a trans-Tasman grand final. How good? Uh, I thought for sure we'd be taking on England. And at one point, well, you couldn't even
3: imagine we'd make it. I put it this way. At one point, it was England versus Pakistan. Right? Both teams, New Zealand and Australia, had amazing finishes to their respective semifinals.
2: Saturdays on the coast, Gary Birkenshaw is next. We're live from BJ Howes. Uh, we're back in just a moment after the news on SEN.
1: BJ Howes Medal and the Coast tradies' Choice for Tools, Steel, Gas. Visit BJHowes.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN track.
2: What about that? We're about to get the boss on. The yep. big kahuna. The, the Messiah. Uh, and he just runs away. Oh. I mean, that was exit stage left even.
3: Quicker than I've ever seen any man run before. And he's slow, Steve Dawson. I played footy Oztag with him. Yeah. He's gets around. At his own speed.
2: Hey, Buttes, did you see uh, Sam Kerr for Chelsea through the week? The uh, Champions League. Uh, they were playing Servette. Mm-hmm. Sam Kerr almost had a hat-trick within 20 minutes. They've, she... they've won 7-0. They were 4-0 up after 20 minutes.
3: She is class, isn't she? Like, There's no other word to describe her. And you can see that when she plays for the Matildas. Just her touch, her ability to get in the right position. And she's doing it on the world stage with Chelsea, you know, week in, week out. You know, it's amazing. And again, I didn't realise the magnitude or how big uh, women's soccer or football was around the world. But there are competitions everywhere for women to get involved in. And, you know, we touched on just before the news, Steve, about, the you know, the Queensland Origin women getting paid the same as a man, which I think is outstanding. And, you know, I... I You know this argument about whether they should or shouldn't be paid equal pay, whatever it is. I think this is a great start. I also believe that you know I don't think that the women should be getting paid anywhere near the amount of the men at the moment in terms of their general competition, and that's because they don't play the same amount of games. There's not the same amount of teams. They haven't had um, the same amount of time in the game as such in terms of you know there's 113 years of history, and I know women have played for a long time, but in terms of professionalism. You know, they're in their infancy and they need to walk and crawl. But this, without a shadow of a doubt, is a step in the right direction for them.
2: It's great that we mentioned Sam Kerr in this conversation because you've said numerous times on this show that you would rather watch the Matildas than a lot of other sport. And that shows where women's sport is on the international stage.
3: Oh, look, you know what? The quality is, there is no doubt it is getting better and better. And there is no doubt that it will continue to get better. So in ten and fifteen years time, if we're still doing this gig, we might be actually sitting down going, you know what, that was unbelievable. Did you see such and such play, you know, women's sport over and over and over again? And we know what we might be making this same having this same discussion in ten or fifteen years time about women's rugby league that they're earning three, four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars per year because that's what it is at the and, moment,
2: and so they should. Yeah. So, Ali Brighenshaw, arguably one of the greatest players of all time, if not the greatest. Mm. Where, where do you rate Ali Brighenshaw? Oh,
3: look, I, I, again, I, I haven't seen enough of the women's game to know where she sits in the overall ranking, you know. Uh, but I do know that she is very well respected. She's proven herself time and time again at the top level, and for me, she's certainly in the top echelon of players that have ever played the game in women's rugby league
2: you mentioned about the women's game it dates back to 1921 Mm. Nellie Doherty we handed over the Nellie Doherty Shield on the Sunshine Coast uh, to the Queensland Origin team when they won let's just have a look at some of these players that have paved the way in my opinion so Ali Brigginshaw legend of the game Tamika Upton who's the try scoring machine for the Queensland team Zahara Tamara who we know well Mm -hmm. Chelsea Leonard Dutty Rona Peters oh man what a player you know, just hammer time when Rona Peters is on the field. Uh, Shania Power, Talisha Harden, Tasman Gray, all girls, young ladies, women that are paving the way. And to hear this announcement, yep. I think it's a real line in the Sam moment.
3: I, I agree with you. And I think what's going to happen is these names are going to become more familiar. Like we've seen with women's football, the Sam Kerr. Um, name a couple others. You can't? It's okay. But. <laughs> You know, same with the women's cricket. You've got Elise Perry, you've got Meg Lanning, you've got uh, Elise Healy, right? These girls are just their names that are becoming more familiar because we're seeing them on TV, and it's going to happen in rugby league where these names are going to become more familiar to the sports fan. And, and you know, once that happens, then there's no reason why these women will not be getting the same dollars at some stage. But it's a step in the right direction. There is no doubt about it, and I'm really pleased. Uh, that Queensland have taken this step, and I hope New South Wales follows follows suit very, very quickly.
2: Hey, uh, Butes, was that a rhetorical question? Because I would have thrown in Ellie Carpenter immediately. Of course you would Like, what a superb player.
3: I jumped in too early. I should have given you five seconds.
2: Yeah. Uh, Let's go to, I think we've got him waiting on the line, Gary Birkenshaw. The Aussies, yeah, we've got him uh, through to the T20 World Cup final. I watched the highlights this morning, Butts, because it clashed the other night. I think it was on the same night as the Socceroos mm-hmm. up against Saudi Arabia. And what a game. I mean, we've got to start, Burko, I guess, with uh, Matthew Wade. And what a finish. We, uh, w- did we need 20 off 10? And he's hit three sixes to win the ma- win the game for us.
6: That's right. We needed 20 off the last two hours. How are you, Steve? And Butts, great to be back again. And, look, I actually got up and watched, watched the game, watched both semi-finals, and... Uh, yeah, what a fantastic performance it was by Australia, and uh, and look at yeah, it, the chase down. It's the highest run chase of the, the World mm-hmm. Cup. The chase they had to get 178, but but they, they, were, they were effectively down and out. And it's quite funny. You talk about Matthew Wade, and he actually talks about it. When he went out to bat, he thought it was going to be his last international innings ever. That, that's that's why he thought the position of the game was. And he said it was just through Marcus Thounis who. We just mentioned you got him through the game by really saying, just get get your eye and get set. I'll hit enough boundaries to keep the game, keep it within touch, and then when you're right, well, then we'll, we'll go for it at the end, and it paved, it paved the way beautifully.
2: It's, it's incredible that when this tournament started, there was so much talk about David Warner being out of form yep. and surprise, surprise, he almost hits a half century. He made 49 runs, and the other player that I want to mention, that I want to touch on, there's been a lot of talk right through the tournament about Mitch Marsh, that he's the player that, that should be in for the Aussies, and sure enough, a fantastic knock by him as well.
6: Yeah, exactly. First of all, with David Warner, it's like how he doesn't get a game in the IPL or, or, you know, amazes me at the end of that last series. But he's just such a barometer at the, at the top. When he, he get going, he scores at, you know, at a run rate of 150. But Mitch Marsh, he's been, he's been the difference. He comes out, changes mm. the momentum of the game, hits the ball really hard. And you know, one of the most much maligned cricketers, I think, in... Uh, in, in Australian cricket, but he's played such a pivotal role now and that partnership between him and Warner got the run rate up early, which means that they were able to, they were able to consolidate a bit through the middle, lose a few wickets, but still in touch. But great win, great win by Australia.
3: Birko, one thing that has impressed me about this Aussie side throughout this tournament, and you know, I sort of question where they were at heading into the tournament, but when you look at the side and the balance that they've got, it is really strong. You've got Warner Finch opening, right? So both of those guys, if they're on, they're on, right? Uh, you've got Mitch Marsh coming out of the tree. You've got Steve Smith, four. You've got uh, Maxwell. You've got Stoinis, and you've got Matthew Wade. Each and every one of those guys have the ability to put it on, and we've seen it at various stages. And this is what I've liked about what Australia have done throughout this tournament, that at various stages and at different games, in different games, It's been one or two individuals, and it hasn't been the same individual that has got them through. And I think, for me, that puts him in a really good position at the moment. You know, with what Matthew Wade did the other day, he was on 10 runs from 10 balls. He finishes with 41 runs from 17 balls. Like, it's just phenomenal. He just goes mad there for the last seven balls. And, in fact, he got dropped on the fourth last ball of the game, right, and ends up hitting three sixes to win it. Like, that balance they've got at the moment, plus their bowling lineup, Adam Zampa, I think, was probably uh, the key for them uh, the other night. His figures, whatever they were, something for 22, right? You know, that was very economical, uh, considering what the other bowlers went for.
6: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Adam Zampa, because he has been arguably the bowler of the tournament from, from, from what I've seen, especially from Australia's perspective. The time that he's come on... You know, as it does with T20 cricket, the quicks can get can get hit around a bit earlier on in the power play. But he's been able to come on as a leg spinner and actually pull the run rate back. Like the other night against Pakistan, they'll, they'll go at nine, ten runs and over, and by the end of his, his spell at four, over, they're back at seven runs and over, which is a fantastic performance. Able to, I think the, the best comment I heard from someone speaking, there's two comments. When, one was, he just keeps getting good batsmen out. And they said, what's his success? And, and Aaron fish' came out and said, he's just a very, very good bowler. Yeah, that, that's yeah. what he it is. Yeah, uh, he's just a very good bowler.
2: Uh, I'll tell you the other thing in this T20, you you got to feel for the bowlers because Hazelwood has had a great tournament. Hmm. Uh, the other night, he's none for 49, and can you believe that included eight <laughs> dot balls? Like, <laughs> yeah, when ridiculous. you watch the highlights, uh-huh. it's, it's just six after six. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Burko, can you stay with us? We've got to go to a quick commercial break here. Love to talk some more cricket because Zaman the other night. 55 off 32. And then the Kiwis against England was incredible. We saw some ludicrous shots, which I'd like to discuss with you, uh, where I think just the ego gets in the way mm-hmm. with some of the batsmen. But then, I mean, one of the knocks of the tournament from Daryl Mitchell. Yep. We'll discuss that in just a few moments. It's Saturdays on the coast on SEN.
1: BJ House Meadowland, the coast tradies' choice for tools, steel, gas. Visit bjhouse.com.au. This is Saturdays on the Coast on SEN Track.
2: And we're back live at BJ House Meadowland on this Saturday. We thank them. We thank also Robson Civil Project. Yep. Uh, I'll tell you who else we want to thank. Whitey's Right Price Tyres. Of course. Now, when I spoke to Brendan O'Hagan for NBN TV this week, did a Zoom interview. A uh, young guy who's been with the Berkeley Vale Panthers, but then Newcastle Knights, Canberra Raiders, West Tigers. Now the York City Knights, he's got another deal over there. He's sponsored by Whitey's Right Price oh, Tires. How good. When he scores a try in the UK, uh Whitey, what a great supporter of local sport. Butes, can you tell the listeners what's oh, unfolding Steve in Steve, uh,
3: there is a rumble in the air and there have been I would suggest upwards of three to four hundred motorbikes that have ridden past there's obviously some sort of ride and i've got to say mate it is awesome to hear the you know the, the noise the rumble uh and to see these guys I'm, I'm assuming it's some sort of charity event that they're doing but um there's nothing better i've been a part of it with hogs for homeless uh and you know what you're riding in a pack and it's actually really good fun to yeah. just get out there on the open road and just open up those bikes and the Here
2: comes our technician, Pete. So he might have some more info. I've sent an email or sent a text message to Lara Coffey at NBN News to try to find out exactly what this is all about. It is amazing to see. And I do know that on the Central Coast today, there's a a mini rally. So a whole bunch of mini Coopers are doing a drive. Pete, what were you able to find out?
5: Uh, Steve, it's the Kids in Need to Central Coast bike ride. And they're going from Harley-Davidson, I think, in Gosford to the Denman Hotel.
3: Oh, straight to the hotel.
5: Uh, and don't we love Kids in Need?
3: Yeah, drink responsibly.
2: Yeah, congratulations to everyone at Kids in Need. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot of friends that have been part of that organisation, and they've raised hundreds of thousands over the last few years. And
3: you know what they'll do? They they actually all stick together. So, you know, they've got a bit of a traffic jam at the moment, but they'll hold up and wait, and then suddenly they get together, and, you know, off they go again. And it's there's no better sight than if they jump on the freeway than to see, you know, 500, 600 metres of bikes going past. Thanks again, Pete.
2: Appreciate that, mate. Uh, Let's go back to Gary Birkenshaw quickly because we're running out of time this morning. Mm. Mm. Burko, the game between New Zealand and England. I I said about some ludicrous shots where you can tell us about Williamson, but then also on the flip side, what about the knock by Mitchell? 72 off 47 was just amazing. Conway gave him great support as well.
6: Yeah, it certainly was. Mitchell was was fantastic. You know, he was very solid. Was a, at the end of the game, he was hitting six as well to get him out of line. But I think James Newson was the one who actually turned that game yeah. around. He's had 21 off seven balls. Just come in and really changed the momentum. They needed something like 70 off five overs to get out of the line. And he just changed the momentum with hitting boundaries. And Mitchell was able to obviously finish obviously, off. Obviously, Mitchell is the, the son of John Mitchell, the All Blacks coach. Uh, and he was he was in the stand, which is fantastic. But probably the other thing, yeah, you mentioned about Devin Conway. He's actually out of the final... He actually broke his hand after punching his bat after being dismissed in the semi-final. So he's fractured a hand, so he'll be missing from
3: the final. Yeah, yeah, not a smart move, that one, Uh, from Devon. Mate, I just want to get your views on how do you see the final playing out. Both teams are in good form. In fact, they probably had identical finishes or games uh, in their semi-finals uh, where they were up against it, could have easily lost, but uh, some good performances at the back end. They're both going in there in, in good form. And with very strong lineups, so I know the Aussies are favourites. How do you see it playing out, Burko? Yeah, I reckon it'd be pretty close. I reckon these, when you match these up player for player, I think
8: I think
6: they're very, very similar. They play a very similar game plan. You know, you've got Williamson and Steve Smith who hold the innings together, but they got plenty of power through the, at the top and also at the end, and they're bowling similar. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I like to think the Australia's going to, to get over the line. But you look at cricket over the last, you know, five years, pound for pound, you have to say New Zealand has probably been the most consistent side across yep. all, all formats. One Won the Test Championship, got beaten the final of the, the 50 over World Cup and now in the final of the t 20 so they'll be very, very tough to beat. And, and they, the thing is that they'll never beat. They always think they can win from anything, so tough game. Look, I'm really looking forward to it.
2: Burko, will we see any local cricket this weekend, or has the weather wreaked havoc yet again?
6: No, I think they're all games are on. I haven't heard any of the, the, the first-grade games. I think they're all... Uh, they're all on today, so we just full credit to the clubs and the curators for being able to, to get the games. on. look a bit windy at the moment, but no, I believe all games are going to be on, so another round of one day is so the uh, fourth round we've got coming up, and Wyong at, at Brisbane Water, they're both unbeaten. they will be the the main game today, and uh, that'll be at Baker Park, so it should be a good contest.
2: Yeah, fantastic, mate. we better leave it there. We'll do yep. a comprehensive uh, wrap of local cricket on next week's show, but uh, thanks again for joining us.
6: No worries, mate. And just quickly, our T20 competition starts on Thursday night to Marquise from Sydney coming up and playing in the comp. That should be good.
2: Yeah, oh, beautiful stuff. Gary Birkenshaw is the man when it comes to cricket on the uh, Central Coast, and for a long time, he was the man when it came to local AFL, uh, did an outstanding job as an administrator with the Black Diamond. Mm -hmm. Let's go live to Avoca Beach right now, our final guest of the morning, uh, one of the best lifesavers in Australia, if not the world, particularly in the Masters category. Hayden Smith, good morning, mate. How'd the competition go, the
9: surf series? Morning, Steve. How are you, mate? Yes, all good down at Avoca this morning, thank you. I've actually... um just left the beach now and on the way into work today but i uh, had a good morning out um races were short and fast and flat which is um which hurts but it's a, a great way to start the season and actually i think a lot of competitors there and and everyone seemed very very grateful to be able to compete again
3: Hayden when you talk about heading into work that's obviously meaning mcdonald's and mate you it's a big day for uh, mcdonald's with mac happy day where two dollars from every purchase of a big mac meal goes to the ronald mcdonald house charity
9: thanks guys yeah it is a huge day for mcdonald's australia it's our biggest day of the year each year so um mcdonald's australia has been around for 50 years this year which is which is fantastic mm. and it's actually the 30th year anniversary of Happy day so Happy day raises money for the Ronald McDonald House Charity, which is a fantastic charity that does a lot of work supporting um, the families of, of, of sick young children. Um, and it's a, a charity I know I'm personally very, very proud to uh, to represent. And Macapi um, Day is a great day where we, we celebrate RMHC, the Ronald McDonald House Charity. And um, it's always a very busy day in store and um, great to see people in buying Big Macs, of course, dollars from every Big Mac goes straight to Ronald McDonald House Charity, uh, and if you're not a Big Mac eater, you can certainly buy some of the uh, silly socks from McDonald's or a helping hand along the way as well.
2: Yeah, Butte and I were discussing or we were reminiscing, really, because I think my first McHappy Day where I was behind the counter was in Ballina in the early 1990s when I worked in uh, regional radio and uh we've both had the privilege of going to ronald mcdonald house who just do a fabulous job hayden so how does it feel to actually be a franchisee and to employ hundreds of mcdonald's staff like is that part of the initiation to actually learn what mcdonald's does from a charitable
9: (coughs) point of view to put it simply um being part of the system is the biggest honor uh i have in my life without a doubt up alongside Mm. my family i mean we I know India and I personally employ 430 people, um, and I'm, I'm really proud to say that, you know, on a year like we've had now with uh, a 15-week lockdown, and not a single employee has lost their job. I'm really proud that we, we're the biggest employer of youth in Australia. I mean, the system employs nearly 120,000 people now. Um, and, you know, I know for us, you know, over 250 of our people, it's their first job, age 14 to 16. So it's a a wonderful system to be a part of and it it certainly keeps me young or keeps me feeling young anyway.
3: I think what you say there, you know, it's a system and I think you're right. You know, for a lot of young kids, it has been their first job and and it's just created so many good values, beliefs uh, and systems that they've been able to abide by that they can take forward in their life. And I think, uh, Hayden, I love the fact that you have, indicator that it's you know the one of the proudest moments or well, to be a part of that is, is something that you're very proud of and you should be mate because um uh, mcdonald's do a great job supporting so many
4: charities
2: yeah it's such a pleasure to have you on mate we're getting the wind up we're off to the news uh enjoy no a happy day my friend at your mcdonald's franchises and uh just finally Thanks, just no. very quickly did you win everything today
9: well, mate, I won the three ski races, so I've still got I've still got the wood over the young guys uh, at the moment. But um, mate, those days might be coming to an end. But I'll celebrate them while they're
2: there. Yeah, good on you, mate. The old
3: bull and the young bull.
2: Thanks, thanks again. We'll do it again soon, mate. Uh, Hayden Smith, our final guest this morning, one of the best uh, uh, life saving competitors in Australia. Thanks again to BJ Howes. We've got to go. The news is next. We'll catch you next Saturday. Saturdays on the coast on SEN.